0: Are you amazed when people drive their vehicles for over 250,000 miles? How often should you change your engine oil? What techniques can improve your mileage? Would an expensive fuel injection cleaning improve your engine performance? This is Car Guy with Brett Beachler at Beachler's Vehicle Care and Repair. Find out how to substantially reduce your cost per mile and extend the longevity of your vehicles. Welcome to Car Guy with Brett Beachler onpureylife.com Hey everybody, thanks for joining us again. Welcome to the uh, Car Guy on com. My name is Greg McCoy, the co-host, and I'm here with Brett Beetzler. How are you doing, Brett? Good morning, Greg. I'm doing excellent. Great. Well, today we're going to continue from our last show. We talked about some tips for summer traveling. Mm-hmm. A lot of people travel during the summertime for Memorial Day and holidays and various things. So uh, there are some things you should be doing to your car or having done to your car to to make it a safer trip and a more comforting trip. So let's continue on with that. Uh, What's your next thought on that? Okay, next thought. Uh, We're dealing with the steering and suspension system.
1: Um, One of those items that there's a couple things folks can do themselves just to inspect. Uh, One of them is what they call a jounce test. Okay. And this is essentially, I know it sounds goofy, but. Isn't that where two guys on a horse, they have a big. Lance and they run at each other. That's jousting. Oh, that's jousting. Jouncing. So, jouncing, to rhyme with bouncing, is literally like bouncing the the front or rear of the car. If you jounce test a car and it does not stop bouncing, going up and down, then you've got failed shocks, okay? There's only one of two things that we fail uh, shocks and struts for, and that's failure of a jounce test or they're leaking. That's it. Um, that's one of the most oversold items in our industry. We don't sell a lot of shocks and struts because um, I'm not patting ourselves on the back, but they are made so much more reliable anymore that you just don't replace them like you used to. There are many shops out there replacing them every thirty, forty thousand, fifty thousand 40,000, 50,000 miles. You just don't have to do that anymore. Hmm. So, Typically, how long do they last usually? Good 100, 150,000 miles. Um, quite a long time. Quite a long time. So you could do that yourself at home. Okay. And I always explain all this stuff to folks, but if you don't want to do it, take it into a reputable shop, have them do a pre-trip inspection. We've talked about that in the first show. I'll talk about on the second show. If you don't want to do any of these items, it's a good investment to take it in and have somebody else do it. Okay. Um, next let's talk about oil. Okay. Um, oh, back to that, that steering a suspension. The catch is with some of the stuff you can't do yourself. Because there are things, what they call variants of play, okay, on things such as control arm bushings, suspension, um, tie rod ends, steering, okay? The average person, even myself, I can't tell how loose control arm bushings or tie rod ends are unless they're suspended on a hoist and done by a really good quality technician who happens to be ASC certified. Most people can't they're not doing it every day. It's like a doc doing something that he touches and feels people on every day. And he knows the variances on things. Same thing goes on with cars. Okay. Um, so I always advise people testing those or measuring those variances
0: is always a good idea by a technician. Okay. All right. So let's move on to oil. Now, is that something you do on a normal basis? I mean, if you bring yeah and, an oil change, for example.
1: Yeah. The, a quick oil change. You're not able to do that. Even my oil change guys, some of the guys don't have the skill level to check those type of variances. Um, that's why we always send cars about every 20, 15 to 20,000 miles. I send them over to the ASE techs and run it through their inspection rather than, than, than our 15 minute oil change inspection, just because of skill level. That's what it boils down to. That's what you're paying for is skill level. So, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Onto the well. The industry standard now is 5,000 miles on oil changes. Um most cars have oil life indicators, trust the oil life indicators. I've hammered this on these shows many, many, many times. Okay. But make certain you're checking your oil level, period. Okay. So if you got a shop that set your sticker at 3,000 or 4,000, just kindly up it to 5,000 miles between changes or the oil life monitor. Okay. I'll say this stuff to I'm blue in the face because huh. I still have people walking in my door saying, I don't have to change my oil every 3,000 miles to this day. And you would oh, think, yeah. Yeah, and and to this day, and it is absolutely overzealousy. It's overselling. It's not necessary. Engine and oil technology has improved. You, we don't have to do this. And I know I sound like I'm being really repetitive, but I when I still have people walking to my door as of last week saying I don't have to do three thousand miles, I still have to. Oh, teach. there's still a lot of people. On still lot of people.
0: a lot still of people. I pre- still preach and teach this one. Okay. Now, a lot of cars, as we have discussed, have oil life monitor percentages on there. Yes. Um, Is it okay just to go by that? Absolutely. Not even look at your mileage, just look at your, and when you get down to what percentage you should be thinking about changing the oil? Most manufacturers say five to 10%. You know, they they all vary, but five to 10%. Mm -hmm. But we say five, you get down to five. Okay, time to change oil. We had a situation as which I texted you, which I appreciate your support Mm -hmm. Uh, a month ago. Was it Mm -hmm. six weeks ago? Something like that. Uh, We were gonna take a trip down to Nashville, Mm -hmm. Tennessee. Thousand mile trip, round trip. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was getting close. I think I was down to, I forget, 10%, 15%. And I meant to get in and get it changed, but this stuff happens. And all of a sudden, we're on the road. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going to go over. But you reassured me, and it did, it did, in fact, not go down to zero during our trip because it was all highway mileage. Very easy miles on an engine. Yeah. On
1: on an entire chassis of a vehicle. Very easy miles. Mm -hmm. So that's why you'll see those folks that, Drive a lot of highway miles, 6, 8, 10,000 miles between changes on conventional oil.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's legitimate. So yeah. I'll just keep pounding it until <laughs> everybody learns. Uh, okay. So if you're towing items, this is where these uh, numbers change a little bit. Okay. And I just want to plug this. Not everybody tows items. So very, very few people actually that tow items, but I want to plug this. Um, some manufacturers actually recommend a more severe duty oil. It goes inside the engine. Most cars are 5W-30, 5W-20, um, but some vehicles will say, hey, bump it up to a 10W-30, for example. So you just want to keep an eye on your your owner's manual for that. But the oil life monitor takes that into consideration. Takes correct? it into consideration. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if severe duty, you may want to change the oil a bit sooner than your 5,000 mile recommendation, but refer to your owner's manual for what they want you to do. That's that's the Bible of your vehicle, the owner's manual. Okay. Uh, synthetic option. Uh, we sell a lot of synthetic oil. We're a mobile one oil provider. Okay, uh, Less like, likely to break down when operating at higher temperatures. It is a better quality oil, period. There's no way around it. Um, that's just the facts. And it is, it's a proven scientific formula that synthetic oil is better. What is synthetic oil? It's just a blend of base oil and synthetic additives into the oil um, that help extend the life of the oil and improve the quality of it. So, when I first heard that term, I thought, what, are they making oil out of something else now? Yeah, it sounds, sounds a little different, but that's essentially what's going on. There's mm-hmm. a base oil ingredient to it. So um, the interesting thing is you always get more miles in between changes with synthetic oil. So, for example, our conventional oil is 5,000 miles. We set our, conven- or our mobile one synthetic oil to 10,000 miles. Okay. And at first, everybody's like, oh, gosh, it's more expensive. But we break it down to, again, I go back to cost per mile. And it's about the same cost per mile, maybe a tick more, not very much, uh, to move on to synthetic oil. So if you're a guy that's driving his car 30,000 miles a year, hands down, every time I go to synthetic oil, because otherwise you're going to be in the shop, how often? You know, six times versus three times
0: synthetic oil or whatever that calculates out to be. Mm -hmm. So... So again, if you're using synthetic oil versus regular oil, does the oil life monitor take that into consideration? The oil life monitor
1: does not take that into consideration. So that's one that you've got to essentially override the system. But again, I go back to the key. If you're going to run these 10,000 mile oil changes, totally fine. We got a guy, for example, my dad drove a Chevy Aveo off to say it. he likes his small cars. I think he had it close to 300,000 miles, change of oil every 10,000 miles. Hmm. The guy is still driving this car. It's got over 300,000 miles on it. Nothing's ever gone wrong with the engine. Yes, it's an anecdotal thing, but I have numerous customers that are on mobile and oil that do not have issues with their engines. He should be making an advertisement for that. He should be. (laughs) He should be. should put him on our wall of fame when we get it. So um, one little side note, your engine doesn't know any better switching back and forth between synthetic and conventional oil. I've had that question posed to me probably 150 times is it hard on my engine to do that? And I said, your engine doesn't know any better. So you can switch. So if you, in case you're wondering that question out there in, in stream radio land. Uh-huh. So uh, let's move on to air conditioning systems. Okay. You're driving down the road, 98 degrees, car full of folks might have a pet in the car. Your AC is not working at that point. You might even want to dive outside the car <laughs> because it's not going to be a fun environment. Uh-huh. Okay. So, the air conditioning, apart from the cooling system that we talked about in the first part of this radio show, uh, is designed to keep you cool only. It has nothing to do with the engine. Okay. There's a compressor out there that circulates a refrigerant. It's not Freon anymore. Freon is about $150 a pound. Nobody sells Freon because it's way too expensive anymore. And cars, quite frankly, are are not equipped nowadays with the R12 Freon is what they call it. Now they call it the R134 refrigerant in case you want something to talk about around the dinner table tonight. It's refrigerant. Okay. So um, many folks get the coolant confused with refrigerant. Okay. I want to make that clear. Okay. There's no maintenance you can do on the air conditioning system. It's not like checking the oil level. It's not anything. It's a sealed system. It's gas. There's no liquid inside the system other than a little bit of oil that keeps the compressor Um, lubricated, but there's nothing that you can do to an air conditioning system. The only thing you can do is if you have one of those meat thermometers, you can stick it inside your vent and you can get the temperature reading if the meat thermometer goes that that low. I don't know if they do or not. I haven't worked on a meat thermometer for a long time, Um, but about right is 48 degrees on a system. That's what the air should be coming out of the vents. Excuse me.
0: Celsius or Fahrenheit?
1: Fahrenheit. So you should be getting 48 degrees. If you're getting 60, 62, the, the, there's something wrong with the system. It's low on a the refrigerant. There's a leak in the system or something else has gone wrong with it. There might be debris inside what they call a condenser, which is kind of like a mini radiator that keep, helps keep that system running efficiently. Um, always get it checked out by a professional. I've had a lot of people walk in my door that have done their own thing and tried to pressure the system and put the refrigerant inside the system and they end up doing damage to the system. And typically when a compressor goes out, it's about six to eight hundred dollars, so it's really risky to play with it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a unit that tests high and low pressures, and you know they, they do it right. They put it in while it's you know the refrigerant's going out. So really, really good idea. Okay. The other notation is I see a lot of folks that come in and, and literally they'll come in and say, "Hey, my air conditioning's not working very well. Help me out here." And we typically jump inside the car and make sure the recirculation button's on because that's the the air you need to run when it's super hot outside, okay? So it's cooling the air inside the cabin of the vehicle as opposed to trying to take that 98 degree air outside
0: and turn it into 48 degrees. So when the recirculate button is on mm-hmm. or activated the little light is on, that means it is strictly recirculating air within the cabin, and yes. cabin of the car.
1: Yes, it's cooling
0: the air that's being cooled inside the cabin
1: so it doesn't have to work as hard. Exactly like your home air conditioning system, exactly.
0: And then when you have your circulation off, Mm-hmm. That means it's allowing fresh air, in. fresh air in. Yes. Kind of like your house, exactly. uh, having your windows open mm-hmm. versus closed when the air conditioning is on. That's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly the same concept. So um, one thing
1: you can ask your mechanic to do is inspect for a noisy compressor. That's tell. That's a telltale sign of a compressor starting to fail. Okay. We have noise listening devices that we can put on compressors and measure them or not measure them, but just determine if they've got some kind of internal a problem with the compressor. Interestingly, compressors actually look like little engines. There's a couple pistons inside the compressor, mm-hmm. and they're doing their job of circulating that refrigerant throughout the uh, the cooling system. Now, how would or a person the- how would a person know to ask their mechanic to check for that? Uh, a, a good technician doing an inspection is going to hear that type of noise that's not normal on a on a compressor. But that's why you're listening to this radio show, so you know to ask your your technician about. You know, could you check the air, air conditioning compressor and make sure it's not making any noise that's not supposed to be there? But is that noise such that you can hear it? The average person driving down the road can, mm, can not hear it? Not necessarily. That? The average person not is not necessarily going to be de- be able to detect it. It's not like a deep humming noise of a wheel bearing going out that somebody goes, man, there's something wrong with my car. I don't know what it is. but And we get in and we go, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you got a left front wheel bearing that's causing a noise. It's nothing like that. Um, you're not necessarily going to hear a compressor that's starting to fail okay Mm -hmm. okay okay transmission operation there's not much you can do here other than check transmission fluid levels um check your owner's manual for the proper interval okay most cars anymore can go 100,000 miles between transmission fluid changes if you're getting ready to go on a trip and it's 99,000 miles in the car change it it's not worth it you know the the typical transmission is three thousand dollars or more um Typical transmission fluid exchange is $179. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really, really simple math. Um, If you're able to check the transmission fluid, it should be a bright red color. Uh, It shouldn't be a brownish or a dull brown color because that's a sign of fluid starting to break down. So bright red is what you're looking for when checking the transmission fluid. Mm -hmm. Now, some cars have sealed transmissions, and I know this sounds like really goofy at first, um, but their theory behind that is If it's leaking, you're going to see it leaking, period. And if you follow your intervals of 100,000 miles, for example, or some GMs are 150,000 miles, if you follow that that laid out plan,
0: you're going to be fine. That's their theory behind it. So when you say sealed, how sealed is it? I mean, there's no dipstick. Okay, no dipstick. There's bait. no dipstick to check levels or condition. A service center can still get in and change that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we actually connect the transmission cooling lines. We
1: disconnect those and plug them into a, and connect them to a machine. So we're able to do what they call an exchange. So 16 quarts out, old, 16 new in, into the system. So most systems hold 15 to 17, 16, 17 quarts. Kind of sounds track. like dialysis. It is. A little bit like dialysis. That's exactly. Good Good analogy. <laughs> nice job, Craig. Um, okay. When, if you do measure your transmission fluid, side note, always measure it with the engine up to temperature and with the engine running. That's the only fluid out there that you want to check in that way. All of the fluids you check with the engine off.
0: Okay? Engine oil, for example. Engine oil, engine off. I'm sure everybody checks their oil at the gas station. Absolutely. Every time they get gas.
1: Okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, so other things to think about during travel. I know this sounds like I'm preaching to you, but slow down. Okay. Run the speed limit. And guess what? I'm guilty of not running the speed limit. I've already explained that to you during this trip, but it creates excess wear and tear in your car. Um, you know, the formula is out there when you go from a 55 to a 75, 80, you don't increase your, decrease your fuel mileage by the percentage of increased speed because of wind resistance. It dramatically goes up kind of like looking at a a statistical bell curve, um, when you're doing that. So, You've got to weigh out the 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 cost of you know increasing your fuel consumption by twenty thirty percent, as opposed to getting there fifteen minutes sooner on your trip. That's really what it boils down to. And I've also found as a interesting note, I have more anxiety if I'm going faster because I'm constantly looking out to <laughs> see if somebody's going to catch me speeding, <laughs> and like my brain is ramped up. And I'll get to the end of a trip and I'll be exhausted. So I've decided as I've gotten into my older age that. You know what it's really not worth it just run the speed limit and my wallet likes it better too
0: until you getting old yeah older older, older yeah, older <laughs> isn't that funny though how you're you're going down the highway and even if you're at the speed limit or even slightly below it mm-hmm. and you see a police car what do you do yeah. hit hit the brake <laughs> yeah there's just some <laughs> they must just smile at that <laughs> oh yeah i think they do have to laugh so <laughs> um
1: so help your wallet out uh Try to try to uh, you know reduce operating expenses in that way, and just slow down, enjoy the view, enjoy the ride, um, and not be anxiety ridden. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not anxiety ridden. I know if I'm running over the speed limit, I'm I'm ramped
0: up. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Just another yeah. side question on that. Uh, we talked about mileage, fuel mileage. Mm-hmm. In that case, most cars these days have a readout on the dashboard mm-hmm. that gives them an approximation. Of their MPG, miles per gallon. Yes. How accurate is that? Do you know? It is very accurate. accurate. It's it's no
1: different than your oil life monitor. They have awesome, awesome calculations inside these computers
0: that can that can measure that type of information. So if you're an engineer like me, and 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 you used to have the notebook in the in the glove compartment every time you get gas, you write it down, and then every so on, you you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore (laughs) if you don't want to.
1: Although it is kind of fun to compare, um, but you don't have to do that anymore. It's interesting I I've done that before many times but most people don't care about that stuff you know we talked about a couple weeks ago the show about ethanol and you know losing three to five percent fuel mileage most people don't they don't pay attention to that stuff that's why ethanol is able to get away with what they
0: get away with mm-hmm. so but yeah but with respect then to this topic that we're talking about when you go from say 55 miles an hour up to 70 or 75 mm-hmm. whatever and that decreases your mpg will that that difference show up on your absolutely monitor absolutely really i've watched it Hmm. yeah i've watched it many a time
1: where i sit there and i go is it really worth going from 30 miles a gallon down to 20 miles a gallon probably not (laughs) and my brain starts doing the calculations of how much more fuel i'm gonna you know how much more money i'm gonna spend on fuel so yeah it's it's your calculation i'm just educating you on whether or not you want to do something like that Hmm. so so i don't need to keep my notebook in the club no you don't need to keep your notebook okay no not anymore greg all right you can lighten the load and help your fuel mileage there we go okay uh watch temperature gauge. I know this sounds a little goofy and a little redundant, um, but it's not a bad idea. It's not unwise to keep your eye on the on the temperature gauge okay so um, because some cars are equipped with temperature gauges, but not necessarily temperature lights if the engine starts overheating so
0: just a good idea to just once in a while look down there and check out it okay so let's just say and I had this happen to me once we <clears throat> we used to live in Brazil and uh we were driving through the mountains and my temperature gauge was getting high enough to where i was uncomfortable because of the load that you're putting going up and down the mountains Mm -hmm. it was the middle of summer and it's hot down in brazil Mm -hmm. and so i rolled down the windows and hit the the heater yep turn the heater on to get pull uh heat off the engine is that good bad is that do anything that's actually one of
1: my recommendations
0: Good job, Greg. Um, yeah, actually, actually, that's what it
1: does. It helps bleed heat. So if you got a, if you got a situation where your needle's starting to climb up, turn your heat on full blast. So the, the, the heater core that we've talked about is actually inside the dashboard. And definitely roll your windows down, especially if it's summertime. Um, but that will help bleed heat off of the engine. If it's got an overheating situation where your thermostat's doing something wrong or you're starting to lose fluid level, the catch is, here's the catch the heater core is typically above the rest of the cooling system. So if you've got a low coolant situation where you're losing coolant with that being the high spot, guess what happens? The coolant doesn't necessarily make it up into that heater core to help bleed heat off. So, you know, the best situations like this next thing I'm talking about is stop driving the car as soon as you can, you know, a 70 or a hundred dollar tow is not anything compared to, burning up an engine, and you gotta write a check for five thousand dollars for an engine. It's mm. nothing compared to it. And I've seen it time and time again where people push it and it's absolutely not worth it. It's not worth it. I know somebody's trying to get somewhere or trying to, you know, avoid a tow or whatever the case may be, but it is a hundred percent I've never seen anybody justified in doing that type of situation. But we all do it or we're tempted to do it. We're all tempted to do it. <laughs> I agree. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not I'm not getting on people or <laughs> You know, looking down to him, I'm just—I know the results of it. I've seen the other side, so just glean a little bit of wisdom
0: from my end. There's always that temptation. I got a problem, but I'm going to try to make it home. Yes, <laughs> I was out running the other day, and I live right on the edge of town, more and uh, I was coming up to an intersection, and from the left there were there were trees and so forth, so I couldn't actually see the road, but I heard a horrible racket coming along, and <laughs> <laughs> so I'm approaching this intersection. The car comes along, stops at the stop sign, and then comes into view, and his right front tire was totally flat. Completely flat. He was running on the rim. <laughs> and he was going someplace. Was going someplace and nothing was gonna stop him. Yeah, nothing was, not, was terrible
1: racket. Little note, those rims are typically between two to four hundred dollars. <laughs> so either learn how to change your spare or get it towed. Yeah. Period. It's not going to overcome, you know, that tow of 60 or 80 bucks, you know, around here is far from what you're having to do to spend all the other damage that's put on the car. So mm-hmm. that's one little note. Um, and I, I was going to talk about this is when you're changing your spare, if you're going on a trip, make sure your jack works. Okay. And we talked about it earlier in the show, make sure that spare tire is inflated. And okay? make sure you know where all those things are. We, exactly. <laughs> i can't Man. tell you how many people walk into our place and they go i don't even know where my spare tire is and i said well let us teach you because if you ever need it you're either calling triple a you're calling a toe or you're you're it's like one of my technicians said to me one time if you're not willing to do the simple things in life brett you better be ready to stand in line and i i thought about that for a second and i go well he's pretty much right and write a check and write a check for it exactly. Um, You know, changing spare tires, things like that. Simple little things. You want to be somewhat self-reliant on that type of stuff. We want to teach our kids to be, you know, be able to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I want to get the the population to is where you're not having to rely all the time on your shop to do everything on a vehicle. There are
0: some things that you can do and save yourself a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, well, for one thing, it's, it's one thing to live here in Peoria and have a shop that you trust like Beechler's or some other mm-hmm. good place like that. It's another thing to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere someplace mm-hmm. and be totally vulnerable and subject to the corner repair shop down yep. in, I don't want to name any names because I don't want to cast dispersions, but you know, someplace out, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. You don't know if they're going to lie to you. They're going right. to charge you three times what it should. Who knows? it's funny you say that because I've
1: had numerous customers call me from out of town and had troubles and they, they call from a a trustworthy standpoint of, Hey, this is what's wrong with the car. What do you think? And there've been a couple of times where I'm like, something's not right here. Something's not right. You're getting sold something you don't need. And, but they, they love having that go to type shop to go, I got an issue. What's going on. You know, help me out here. Be the eyes in the sky for me. So, um, I mean, we enjoy doing that type of stuff. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen.
0: So, Another question with respect to the, the temperature gauge yes. and, and low coolant in mm-hmm. the system. So you're driving down the road and uh, you're, the engine's getting hot and you think or know that it's a problem of low coolant. What about the traditional thing is you add water? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very, very common thing in the culture. Is that the correct thing to do? Is that good, bad? That, that is an acceptable emergency thing to do, yes.
1: You can do it. Um, the, the catch is, once you do it and you correct the coolant leak that's going on, you got to get it out of there. You're going to have to flush the system. So just know that that decision to put that pure water in the system is going to bring that temperature protection up where it should be from 35 to 45 below to zero to 10 to 20. And that means if it, the temperatures get below that protection point, your engine block will likely crack it'll freeze and, and the engine block will crack, so I would only do that in a very emergency type situation mm-hmm. um because it's going to end up costing you extra money, but if that's all you have, and that's your only option, water is completely acceptable as long as it's not in the middle of the winter, and mm-hmm. you know you're parked overnight and it goes below
0: temperature so now the other problem with running all water in your system long term would be corrosion right correct, correct it's a temporary fix that's it. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, which kind of gets me, kind of dovetails into some things I'll mention to throw in your trunk, okay, before you travel. Bring a little extra coolant in case something like this happens. They actually sell a premix of 50% water 50% coolant. Um, Cost-effective-wise, it's not very cost-effective, but from an emergency standpoint, it's a good item to have inside your car just in case, okay. Bring an extra quart of oil or two. Okay, the, the kind of oil that you need uh, because the, the oils anymore are specific, and you may stop at a place and they might, might not have your type of oil that you need. So it's not uncommon for a car to burn. You go on a 2,000 mile trip for it to burn one quart. It's not uncommon. And quite frankly, I don't want to be driving an engine. It's a little bit harder on an engine to run it a quarter or two down. It's just, it's lubricating all those components in the engine with less oil. And that's overall, it's not a, not a good thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Men out there, bring a GPS or bring a map, okay? Don't rely on your memory. Don't, I, I'm one of these guys that I like my maps and I know that sounds old school, but I like the big picture. Um, GPS are really cool, but I don't like the little tiny screen that you see and you can only see about five square miles of where you're going. I just don't like that feeling. You can, yeah. you can zone out, zoom out if you want, but um, bring one of the two, period. I don't necessarily like relying on phones because you can get in some areas that you, you lose service um, and then you lose your mapping capabilities. So I always encourage folks to do that. So duct tape, bring duct tape along. Okay. <laughs> I know it sounds really goofy, but if you had a problem with a radiator hose, duct tape could temporarily work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Duct tape's a good idea all the time, isn't it? That's true. Okay. Um, throw, out your, throw out your cheesy donut tire and buy a full size. Um, you know, around town, it'll limp you along, but if you're on a long trip, you can only go about 500 miles in those donut tires Mm -hmm. until you got to get, um, taken care of. So if it's worth it, bring a screwdriver, screwdriver, a couple flares, pliers, vice grips, maybe a coat hanger. Um, and like I said before, get to that point where your Jack is operational in case you need spare tire changed and learn how to change your spare before you go on your trip. So. Anyway, a lot of the stuff's in, in my book. If you ever want to come in and buy it, super inexpensive, $10. Um, but
0: uh, really good information. Power, so, power pack could be a good thing to take, too. Power right? pack, too. Yep, exactly. Right. So Good. All right. Well, thanks for all those good tips, Brett. You're very uh, welcome. As always, very uh, very helpful, very beneficial. And we have come to the end of our time. So thank you, everybody, out there for joining us on The Car Guy, PureLife.com. We'll see you next time. Purialife.com.